what up, what up, what up? It's your favorite podcast, Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. I'm joined with my two great co-hosts, Byron Evans, a.k.a. Buff, and you know him as Rising, Orazio Mancarella. Byron, tell him what you think. Uh, right now, man, I, I'm just very happy, man, with the feedback and the engagement we're getting on our social media platforms, with the listens we've been getting. So I'm just happy about that. And something I know Rosie can expound on, I'm a little sad that Disney decided to part ways with Sony and Spider-Man is on his own again. We ain't got to talk about that, but I wanted to sneak that in last week and didn't get a chance, and I'm a little sad about that. Man, you you, you don't understand how sad I was. It's so funny <laughs> listening to uh, the nerd community that I'm a full-fledged member of talk about this. <laughs> You know, the, the who to blame, talk about was it Disney's fault, was it Sony's fault? And I I'm I'm on uh Team Disney, I'm not gonna lie. I don't care how much they ask because yeah. truthfully when it comes down to it to it, Sony sucked when it came to Spider Man. I mean they did an okay job. I'm 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 not gonna talk about the Raimi uh Spider Man's and all that stuff, but they did an okay job. But you look at the difference in Far From Home and Homecoming and the original Spider-Man trilogy and stuff. It, I mean, it's it's far apart, man. So Sony needs to figure it out. I don't care if they got to just, you know, give them 15 billion, Disney buy them, do whatever. But it, Spider-Man needs to come on home back man, to Disney. That, that was a big deal when he appeared in the MCU, man. That yeah, it was, man. That that made it that made it complete, you know. Um, so what are the chances we're going to see it then reconcile rising? I think they'll figure it out. Truthfully, um, I, I think Sony understands. I mean, they made a billion dollars off of Far From Home. I mean, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. They they don't want to give that money up. So, you know, to walk away from that and go back to making three hundred, four hundred million off of a Spider Man flick, um, where they can make that four hundred million. Yeah, but you know, if they can make five, six hundred million off of a sixty forty split with Disney, they still come out on top. So I think they're going to go back to the drawing board and they'll figure it out and and get him back in. Uh, It's just, I think Sony's just playing hardball right now. Well, I'm going to let you know this. We don't play hardball. We got bills to pay. So we're going to go ahead and drop this commercial for you guys and let let you hear what we think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, people, we're back. It's my favorite part of the show where we get to talk about what's going on in our world, what we think, and I get to pick my brother's brains. As usual, I will start it off. Man, where do I want to begin? I got a list of questions here. What you got? Well, you know what? Since we started talking about this, and for you all that don't know, my upcoming new favorite artist is Jadena, and he recently did an interview I want to say it was the one he did on The Breakfast Club, and he talked about something we mentioned last week about masculinity, and he pretty much said, men, our masculinity is not being attacked, it's being strengthened by the empowerment of our our sisters. 
And so they went on to talk about him and his love of life and stuff like that. And it made me start thinking. So we're all married men and monogamous, great monogamous relationships. And over the last few months, the last few years, I see all my, well, not all, but several of my friends post these articles on how monogamy is unnatural Uh (laughs) and we are animals by nature and polygamy polygamy is the way to go. So during Jadena's interview, he actually kind of hints on that. He hints on that it's unnatural for one person to want to sleep with that one person for a long period of time. But he found himself taking it a step further and getting into polyamory. So my question, fellas, even though we're all in monogamous relationships and we have taken that and ran with it, if you did not find yourself in a monogamous relationship, could you see yourself in a polygamous relationship or a polyamorous relationship? And for the sake of the show, polygamy we're going with being in a either a marriage or a relationship where one partner gets to have multiple partners, and usually that is the male. Mm-hmm. In polyamory, it is a it's like a community of relationships where each partner has a, a understanding of multiple relationships and multiple connections with other people, but it's very open and truthful. So. Does anybody want to take that? So my question is, <laughs> thoughts on monogamy, thoughts on polygamy, thoughts on polyamory, and if you were not, could you find yourself in either one if you weren't in this in your current relationship? Or if, hey, your wife said, hey, let's try something different. Um, well, as far as, uh, well, first off, when you mentioned masculinity, I know some of the fellas that's listening probably roll their eyes. See, they go again. They about the male bash. And <laughs> so, that's not what we're about, y'all. We just definitely want to um, point out our flaws. But as far as uh, monogamy, I definitely agree with that, that it's not natural. That, uh, you know, I agree that we are naturally animals. And, you know, our natural instinct is not to be with one person for the rest of our lives. That's why you have to work at marriage. You have to work at monogamy. You have to work at, you know, being faithful and not putting yourself in bad situations. As far as uh, being in one of the other two relationships, I'm going to go ahead and start with, uh, what is it, polyamorous? That's definitely a no for me. That's a little bit too much uh, bodily fluid swapping, if you will, for for my comfort. So I'm, I'm going to pass on that. As far as with polygamy, my uh my my closest I guess idea to polygamy is you know the show Big Love that used to be on HBO and it sounds like a great idea you know a man with multiple women that sounds that sounds real player like real boss but a true polygamy relationship where the women you know get equal say and you know the sister wives can team up and and outrule you and it it's it's not that fun. It's really not. So <laughs> I think uh, call me old fashioned. Maybe I'm just old because, you know, I think 10 years ago, my answer probably would have been different to the polygamy question. But I, I think I'm good with the uh, with the one wife. That's that's more than enough uh, mood swings and attitudes I can I can deal with. So I'm good on that. What about you, Rodney? 
So, so you saying it's it's just age is what brought you away from polygamy, not not necessarily, or, or is it just wisdom? I guess that brought you away from polygamy. I think I think we'll go with with wisdom, man, because you know when you're young, you don't truly think things out. You know, you just thinking, hey, man, I could be like you know one of the rappers in the video, multiple multiple women, but nah, it's I'm good. Gotcha, gotcha. Once you start getting old, you start saying no to sex. Think about trying to have sex with multiple women. You know, like you got two wives to try to please. So now you're like, whoa, whoa! I got a headache t- two days in a row. Like, <laughs> well, in that polyamorous, you know, if you don't want to do it, she has a she has another partner across town that would gladly fill fill your place. Yeah, Big Pokey is uh, you know, yeah. he, he he's around ready. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for me. I really think, first of all, I I do think monogamy is natural. Uh, th- there are plenty of animals that mate for life. So to to go back to it just being unnatural, uh, I I think that is something somebody tries to tries to use to make that case. But uh, there are animals that mate for life that um, become you know uh, in a monogamous relationship, and that's that's it. And especially when you talk about sexual, uh, you know, like intercourse. So and I think that's the other problem is people are looking for to fill voids with sex instead of like you can have friends, you can have other people you talk to to fill those other gaps of what you need in a relationship outside of just sex uh, and still be monogamous when it comes to a sexual relationship. Uh, So as far as me and the wife, I can tell you polyamory, polygamy, all that's out because mainly I'm jealous. Like I, I I don't think I could deal with her being able to go and lay with another man or, or, you know, and then come back home and, and, you know, kiss on me. I'm like, you know, I, I can't. You just got your I, back blown out. I can't, I know. I can't look at you. <laughs> Don't hug up on me. No. Oh, now you got it. Oh, now you got a headache. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, <laughs> it was funny. I actually uh, woke up this morning mad at Jenica because I had a dream that we were on a party boat and she was upstairs with uh, some other dude, like, with he had his hand on the small of her back. Asking about are you uh, how happy are you in your relationship? You know, I I woke up on my sleep. I looked at her. She was still over there sleeping in our bed, hugging, smiling. cuddling, smiling. Looking and guilty. The the problem was though is I couldn't get that out of my mind, and I knew it was a dream. I knew it was fake. I knew it didn't happen, and I still was mad at her. Like we were walking around. Now I, I literally was looking at her like this mother right here, like the whole morning. And so I I there is no way that I would be able to deal with that, you know, if if it was in real life where she was going out with somebody else and, and having that sexual relationship, um, you know, and, and she's got male friends and she goes out and she'll go to dinner with a male friend and stuff. And I, I, I'm cool with it, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a little bit in the back of my head, like, 
all right, is this going to go too far? And I'm worried. And like Byron said about, I need that rundown when you get home. Like, <laughs> you know, even though with the male friends that I know are just male friends, like I, I trust her to go out with them and everything, but I do want that rundown because, you know, I, I need my ego stroked a little bit at the end of it. Uh, if you're going to go do that, you need to come back and stroke my ego a little bit at the end. So that's my answer. No. Uh, and, you know, the short of it all. I did not. So maybe know. not for you, but do I you understand? I know that. <laughs> no, what? That she goes on dinner dates with male friends. So it, it's, it's, there. there's basically, it's like one friend that she's known for a long, long time. Um, and he lives out of town. So when he comes in town, they go out and I'm, from 20 years ago. Yeah. Basically, Stennis is the, the, the big swole buff dude that come, come take your lady. That's, that's, it's a good side <laughs> But he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, sure he is. I know. It's like you, you don't even know how to be mad at him because he's so nice. <laughs> so before before Fur give us his answer, what are these faithful animals that you speak of? These oh, I have to look them up. I mean, uh, oh. there, there's a few. I don't know them off the top of my head, but I know there are. Well, clearly, clearly, I'll have the emperor finishes his uh, when once he finishes his answer, I'll have your answer for you. Hold on, hey, Rosie, look up the emperor penguin. I think that's one. That, well, there are plenty of animals that aren't. I, I just don't think it's natural. But I think, Razio, you do what a lot of other people do when you hear that. People think that by me saying that, that that's an excuse for people to go cheat. When I say it's not natural, I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying it's something you have to work at. Like, if we took away our civilization as, as human beings, we would be savages. But we have you know, air conditioning, indoor plumbing and, and clean water and, and, and food to eat. So we don't have to be like on Lord of the Flies. But I'm telling you, if we took away a lot of our conveniences, we would be a lot different. And that's what I mean by natural instinct. And I just think you have to work in monogamy. So we we disagree on that. Go ahead, Ferg. And I can agree with you on that, uh, Byron, that it might, because I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that. Is it natural or unnatural? I mean, there's always going to be two uh, two thought patterns on that, two schools of thought. And just like you said, it's something you have to continue to work at and not just work at, see the benefit of it. You know, if it's not worth it to you, then you're not going to really subscribe to that that notion. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're already on the bubble and then you see all these articles saying that monogamy is is unnatural and this is what you should be doing it, you can look for an excuse to find a way out. And I believe it, it is hard. It's harder to be monogamous in any, any of these other, I'm not even say harder. I mean, because I think there's levels of maturity in all of them. So with monogamy is probably just the hardest because you, you have to stop giving into certain urges. Mm-hmm. But for monogamy with me is similar to what Rosie says. It's not even jealousy. It's a level of maturity for me where, or connection. We talked about sex a lot. Sex is huge, but I would never want my wife to have another connection with the man or anybody at that, in the, at that part, you know, um, with polygamy, I've, I've seen several, several people, I mean, boast on it and they brag about how great it should be and how our culture, we grow up, we, we, 
evolved or not even evolved. We come from a lot of polygam polygamous societies. You know, even Jadena said, I think his grandmother had his grandfather had seven wives. He's Nigerian. And some people say that, especially as a black man, if you can afford to have more more wives and help provide a stable home for our community, there's a there's a part for a place for it in our community. So I, I get it to a certain extent, you know, but that's you know, and that's in a culture where it's a lot of prearranged marriages or there's their certain system set up. Like we were talking about gender roles. There's a lot of gender roles in that. You know, hey, I made good money. Instead of having five women out here competing for men, let me be that one man that can provide and provide and grow grow my family, grow my legacy and stuff like that. And I see these women all having a place to help make that happen. But I think that's selfish because in a lot of those situations, everybody, it's not equitable. I'm getting something out of it because I'm creating a legacy. My children are getting something out of it because of the finances and the stability. But the women get some probably satisfaction because of stability, but that connection that they want or probably need isn't there. So polyamory came around because Jenna was like more so for equitability for us to be equal. I can't be out here doing my thing in line to her or expect her to accept this without giving her the opportunity because we're equal and I care about her the same way. I wouldn't want to hurt her while she's sitting there waiting at home for me to do my thing. And I'm reaping all the benefits. She can't do her thing. So not even necessarily marriage, you know, uh, I read an article a few weeks ago where they were encouraging women to date multiple people while they're young. Like, Hey, why be in a single relationship? Go out and date multiple people, lay your cards on the table and figure out what you want. You know, you can start nixing guys. And that's kind of what guys do. You know, when I was young, you know, I would have possibly be dating multiple people just because like, nope, nope, nope. All right. You have a chance. Let me see where this goes. And men are okay with that. But but I think when they say dating, they're not saying have sex with. Like that's the other part about it. When they say date, go and date as many people as you want. They're not saying have sex with all seven guys. You know, one guy for each day of the week. Now, again, if that's what you want to do, no judgment there. I mean, you know, I feel like there is judgment because (laughs) why clarify it? If if I was dating and I. And or somebody was dating, a male was dating, he had sex with seven girls in seven weeks, I mean, in seven, in one week, that's almost pimp, you know, like he's, he's figuring out what he wants. If there's a connection, like we'll make an excuse for him to do that. Oh, we'll just, we'll just say he's, he's out here doing his thing and call it a day. But if she does it, you know, that's a whole other conversation to double standards. But what it really came down to is us being, or him feeling that he needed to be fair to all parties involved you know, I'm less likely to hurt you when I can be truthful with you. Like, hey, I'm not ready or this connection we have is not enough to be just between us. I need something else from somebody else. And so while I'm going out there seeking, I feel it's only right to let you have that same right. And he was saying like his biggest hurt was knowing that a person he really cared about was out there with somebody else. Um and it made him kind of take a step back from that because he he wanted to find that one true relationship, but he still he still doesn't even know if that's feasible. It, um, it's, it's funny, but that's in in my opinion, it's 
that's when you know you're ready to be in a relationship. I, I, I feel like you can call it a relationship as a polyamorous relationship. No, we're dating. And so really that's how I always decided if I was actually going to get in a relationship with a girl was when I saw her or I thought she was going on another date and I started to get jealous. At that point, I was like, all right, it's time to make her my lady because I don't want her to be with anybody else. Uh, so I, I think it's the the next step or the progression in the relationship is we become monogamous because we want to be together and we don't want to be with anybody else. And so it, it, maybe that is just society and how we've been raised in, in our society today versus another culture. But I, that's kind of my progression or my check down on a relationship is, oh, you're going out with somebody else and I, and I feel some type of way about that. All right. I'm ready to be in a relationship. Not to say you are. We need to have that discussion. But I know I'm ready now because I don't want you with anybody else. Yeah. So, I mean, and you, I think you have a point because society dictates it. But we all have young kids. Let's say we never put them in an environment where they we taught them monogamy. You know, this is what your mother and I have. But we want you to go out there and find love the way you need to find love and make yourself happy. And when we say polyamory, we're not saying that they're dating seven, eight, nine, ten people. It's just it might be one other person. You know, it's just I have a connection with this this person and that person. And together they make me make me extremely happy. And my 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 girlfriend has a relationship with this other person, you know, and with all that, we we find time when. She's not worrying about me because she knows where I'm at. I'm not worried about her because I know where she's at. When I don't have time, I I know that she still has, you know, time for somebody else. I'm trying to understand it. I mean, I'm not I'm not there. I'm not mature enough. I'm very, believe it or not, protective of my wife. You know, I there's two parts of me. There's the protector. If I could lock my wife in the house and let nobody see her so I would never have to worry, me. And it's me like I, I have to let her have her wings and, and fly because I can't, you know, I can't take her from the world. And, you know, when you try to cage that bird, that's when things happen. Yeah. So I guess not necessarily the jealous me, the selfish me, never. Well, no, no parts of me would ever subscribe to any of it. But it's just interesting because I think we're, the world is changing and people are looking at different things and just to hear people talk because I hear polygamy talks way more now. And I'm like, is polygamy, if we're saying monogamy is unnatural and you're open to polygamy, I guess that's the best way. You have all these guys that are open to polygamy, but it's like, that works for you. If you're so open to multiple partners, why not let your spouse or girlfriend or whoever you're dating be open to multiple partners as well? So I think if you're open to polygamy, you might want to possibly look at polyamory as well. So. I can see that. And and I don't want to have this as my actual question, but just to throw this out there as a follow up. Do you guys think that you can cheat non-sexually? So can you have a relationship with somebody else and be cheating on your wife or your wife cheating on you, but not be having sex with that other person? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's that connection I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I think, hey, I mean, that's, that's that that worries me more than anything else. That worries me more than a sexual cheat because that'll probably eventually lead to sex or a deeper connection with sex. 
And that's scarier than a one-night stand or whatever the case may be. But I definitely think that can happen, and that's something you have to be careful of and on both sides. That's what I was thinking. The, the work wife, uh, I, I, yeah. I know a lot of guys that – or even a lot of uh, females that, you know, they – they have that work wife or work husband and they start to kind of have feelings for them and they're sad when their work husband isn't there and, and that type of stuff. And, and I feel like that's as close to cheating as y'all going and getting it on in the copy room. Like it's the same thing to me. Not quite, but yeah, not quite. Yeah, I mean, there's levels to it. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Cool. Well, um, so with that, next? I, yeah, I'll I'll jump in and uh take the next question. Let me go to my list real quick. Pop it out. Is that, yeah, that a highlighter in your hand? Huh? <laughs> Is that a highlighter in your hand? No, no. See, I oh. got it all listed oh, out, okay. and then I actually check mark when we uh, talk about it to make sure that I know what we talked about. I had a couple different ones, but I think this is a good one because we've done it as this crew right here. You know, we used to. When we were really coming up in our careers and stuff, we used to like chat our salaries to each other. And then when we got promotions and everything like that and to like bump each other and, and push each other. And it was always, OK, I got to get like you. I got to get like you. And, and oh, all right, you're making that. All right. I got to I got to make some moves then to, to do that. And so it was a really healthy rivalry there it was like us kind of pushing each other and so what i wanted to talk about and, and get you guys thoughts on is can describe or can you talk about a healthy rivalry and what that means versus keeping up with the joneses because there's there's times where that rivalry becomes so so toxic that you you start looking at it and it becomes jealousy and you know you 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 really start kind of looking at it like i am jealous of this person i'm envious of this person uh and and how to kind of balance that with your rivals because uh you know when i was a sales coach i used to tell my guys you know go find somebody that came in with you or that's doing really well and then you should be looking at their numbers just like you're looking at your numbers and you need to try to outperform that person. So you benchmark off of uh, another person and, and and talk to them about it. Be like, hey, you're my rival. Uh, again, going back to my nerd culture, I'm a big nerd. And that's a big trope in Japanese anime is having a rival. You know, it's Kakashi and Guy Sensei on uh, Naruto. Like, yeah, like really nerd culture. So yeah, having that rival there. So... <laughs> I know y'all don't know who those folks are. Right. Uh, so kind of talk through that. Oh, you you know about it a little bit? Yes. So just talk through that part for me. Uh, I, so I think your question is, what are some healthy rivalries we've had and when did we realize not to try to keep up with the Joneses? Is that kind of like the... Yeah, yeah, just talk so, through that part. So with, for, with us three, I can I got two examples for us uh, personally. I know me and Fern, we went to the same middle school and, you know, we wound up being on the track team in high school. And so he and I, we push each other all the time. I don't know if you guys had like the shuttle run at PE or different sprints, but it would be like, hey, I got seven points, such and such on the shuttle run. He go and his behind would get the same thing. So like me and Ferg spent our entire middle school and maybe freshman and sophomore year trying to outdo each other on speed. But we were pushing one another, you know, like if he got a, a, a 4.040, I have to do the same. So 
we definitely push each other. And Rozzy, you and I would go like three months without even talking to each other. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, hey man, I just got a raise. <laughs> I text you no. my raise, you're like, what? Okay, okay, I'll come for you. Cause, cause, Cause in a couple of months, I'm up for one. So we did that for like maybe five years, it seemed like, man. We just would just randomly text each other. So I, I feel like that type of stuff is healthy competition. And it's good to push your friends and you have to know your friends. And it's unfortunate because I'm sh- we all know, we all I'm sure have some friends that don't respond well to that. And mm-hmm. instead of it pushing them, it turns into, oh, so you, what you think you better than me now? So, and that's not what it's meant to be. Uh, as far as learning not to keep up with the job, I don't have a specific example of that. I just know, I guess for me, I can't even put it on because I'm so disciplined or I'm so smart. I just know if somebody has a Louis Vuitton suitcase, which probably costs three grand, my bank account, I can buy that, but it's going to have to, I'm going to move around a lot of money. (laughs) Humble flex people. Oh, super humble flex. So I'm I'm not going to do that. Or Okay. Well, y'all call it a humble flex. Well, Put it like this. If someone buys something that I know I can't afford, I'm not going to go do that because I have I have a daughter, I have a family. I can't put my family in jeopardy to go get this material thing just to look as great as uh, whoever got it. So that's not that's never been really a worry for me. But the healthy competition, I love it, man. First, well, healthy healthy competition is my lane. I'm in sales, so. That's, I mean, that's the world I live in. But with you two, I mean, I think growing up, you know, Byron said it best, like for years, if I lost every time I ever written down from sixth grade to call it 10th grade and Byron still had his, I would know exactly what I ran because every time I, I, I kid and we'd be bragging, like, let's say, I don't know what the shuttle run time was. Say nine, we did nine, six in sixth grade. And then he come back and does a nine flat. I'm like, man, Byron killed it. I got to get, I got to get it. So Byron boasting and I'll run. I'm like, I got to get it. I got to get it. 9.0 again. Like, man, I can't, I can't beat this dude. I can't lose to him, but I can't beat him. He was, (laughs) you know, but Rizzy and I were the same way in the army. It was, Mm -hmm. we had PT tests. I think I might have won up you once or twice, though, Ryzen. Man, man. It, it, it really came down to who who did it first, right? So yeah. whoever actually did their push-ups first, the next person would come in, oh, I did I, I did 108. Oh, well, let me knock out this 109. All right, I can get it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I remember we did one PT test. We both maxed it out, but he did a, he went first and did 108 push-ups. Because I think we, 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 we did the same sit-ups. I think we come in on a run at the same time, but push-ups was where we had to break the tie. And he did 108. And I'm like, this dude, up until that point, he probably did 80 push-ups to max out. He did 108 in two minutes. This was like, okay, this dude just did 108 push-ups. I might have lost this one. And the powers that be were on my side that day. I did 109 push-ups. Uh, but it was always cool. But I think what rivalries, it's, I don't even, we can call it a rivalry, but it's always motivation for me. Yeah. I think you always look to be motivated and almost part of the reason I, I came to you guys for the show is you guys motivate me. I think we come from very similar backgrounds. 
we, you know, we come from the same city, we graduate at the same time, you know, family situation, very similar, you know, a lot of the same obstacles. And we've, we've, we've done well for ourselves. Some of us, you know, got it quicker than others. Some of like, some of us were delayed. I know it took a long time for me to hit my stride, but even Rosie being one of my closest friends, I would see him doing something. And there was a, t- a time period where he was, it was like a, a huge pay gap, but it motivated me to know that I can get there. It was like, okay, if I'm making X and he's making Y, man, that's a huge gap between X and Y, but there's no reason I can't do it. <clears throat> I know I can do it. This dude came from the same place. It's not unattainable. Um, same thing with you. You know, you motivated me. Like just seeing coming to your house, seeing like, dude, I can do this. And I think a lot of times when people don't have that rivalry, they set their bars low. I ne- I don't try to keep up with the Joneses, but I pay attention to my surroundings and I try to continue to motivate myself. It's like, you know what? This is a, I love my house. This is a great first house. Some of the, the a lot of people in the circle I, tra- I travel in have that next step house. I'm not buying it. I want to buy a new house to keep up with them. I'm like, you know what? It's attainable. And I would like to have those type things. Now, I'm not one of those people that's going to live out, outside of my means to say, look, now our houses match. We're in the same neighborhood and anything like that. But it's, it reminds me or lets me know that there's more to, to the world than where I'm at. It keeps me going. I never want to stop, you know, and I think that's huge. Find somebody that's going to motivate you. You know, I look at, I try to grow my circle and take advice from people that either have what I have or have what I want. If you're not around people that motivate you, you might need to change your circle. Like if you're always the top of your circle, you can't learn anything or get motivated by, by the people that you're around on anything. It's not just necessarily finances. It could be the way they're the way they work out, the way they carry themselves, their relationship, their marriages, the way they raise their kids. It's all these things. Like you know what, I need to take a step back and reevaluate and, and get it together because there's a better way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a probably one of the things where we're struggling right with right now in our community is we don't have a lot of motivators or mentors that we can put our eyes on, especially growing up in some of these poor communities is, you know, when a lot of our doctors and, you know, key people moved out of our neighborhoods, a lot of our kids have nobody to motivate them. Yeah. I hope that answers your question. I hope I didn't go too deep or too too long. Nah, man. Nah, like that's, that's kind of what I wanted the really the listeners, because I, I know those stories and I wanted the listeners to hear those stories of, being motivated by your friends and 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 being able to talk openly with your friends about that in your circle and being able to say, you know, talk everything, religion, income, t- politics, taxes, you know, all that with your friends. If, if you don't have a couple of friends to be able to to really do this type of stuff with and talk about your finances, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to get ahead in life. You got to be able to actually talk and motivate each other and, and say, I got that raise. I got that promotion. Come on, man, you could do it too. You know, and, and, and knowing your friend and knowing whether you can actually have that conversation, like you said, Byron, or is that going to shut them down? So knowing that you, you, you don't need to have that conversation with them and, and figuring out how to motivate your friends. So, you know, if, if it's not 
waving, hey, I got my promotion. Maybe it is waving, hey, here's this job that I found that might interest you or something like that. Here's this program that might interest you uh, because I heard you talk about, you know, you might want to do it seven months ago. And as a good friend, I kept that in the back of my head. This came up on my timeline and here is the program I just found and it's on sale for, you know, a hundred dollars. That's the type of stuff that as a friend circle and that healthy rivalry, you can start doing with each other. And like we first said, it, it maybe it's not called a rivalry. Maybe it's a, it's just a, a partnership or friendship or whatever, but being able to actually have those people that you look up to. Uh, and, and so I almost uh, talk about, it's not keeping up with the Joneses. I'm trying to keep up with the Carters. Like I want, jay-z's business acumen i want to be able to say i'm doing all these different things now maybe crossing the picket line on the nfl probably don't want to do that one but um (laughs) y'all can go over to politically entertaining uh i think byron (laughs) talked about that a little bit so shoot over to his other podcast for that one but (laughs) yeah yeah i gotta plug a friend see that's what i'm saying healthy rivalry there it is (laughs) and i just want to say like to the listeners and even even with us, Bert said we could be honest on this show. Not every friend you have is going to be 100% completely happy for you. And I want to get you guys' opinion on this. I don't think that automatically makes them a bad friend. Uh, I just think, you know, for some people, like you said, Ferg and Rosie, we all come from the same places. So if they see you doing well, I'm sure a part of them is asking themselves, well, dang, you know, why can't I catch a break? What am I doing wrong? And so that's something they have to figure out within themselves. So they may not necessarily have have the the mind frame to be happy for you because they're so worried about themselves. So I know I see a lot of posts saying, you know, well, if people aren't happy for you, then write them off. And yeah, you can. I just always like to look at the gray area in almost every situation that Sometimes things are more nuanced than that. That it's not that they're hating, you know. They probably want to be happy for you, but you know it's hard to be happy when you don't know where your next meal coming from. Oh, okay. yeah. so, <laughs> so, but definitely have some friends that will be happy for you because when you get good news like that, when I used to text Rosio and tell him about my salary bump, you want to share that with people you care about and that you know care about you. Like after you share that with your spouse and maybe your parents. Your friends are the next go-to, so definitely have some friends that will be genuinely happy for you because it, it helps, man. It really does. Like, it made me feel good for Razio to be like, that's okay, I'm coming for you. Like, that made me feel good. Even with Slim, we, we used to uh, compare how much we had in our savings account. Like, yep. yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hit, you know, certain amount of this. Oh, yeah? Okay, wait till I get paid. I'm going to be there with you. So healthy competition is good, man. If you know, if you apply it right. It's definitely a mindset too, so that, you know, you don't necessarily have to write them off, but you have to be careful what you share with them. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. and I think people have their place. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have people that, you know, that you might help more than they help you. And you have people that on vice versa might help you more than they help uh, you help them. So, I mean, it took me a long time to hit my stride, and I've been blessed to have some great friends that helped me along the way, um, you guys included. And so there were many days where, you know, it's easy to be down on yourself, but it, I think it took the right mentality to stay, to look at it as motivation. And I think as a rival, like, 
to be a rival, you have to be kind of in the same playing game, you know, playing lanes. Like you can't college football is starting. Like when you're a rival and you haven't won a game in 20 years, that's not really a rivalry. <laughs> what what was it the uh the Serena and uh, and the Sharapova or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like twenty to I two. I think is the record. Yeah, yeah like we're, we're yeah. This is not a rivalry. <laughs> you get motivated to play me every year. I'm I'm walking. You know I'm I'm going through the steps. Like you're not even. I don't even consider you. So and it might motivate you. You know a lot of things. When I was at my low points, I just tried to stay motivated. You know. And it's human nature to be down for, at, you know, for a little while. But at the end of the day, try to stay motivated. So, yeah. Well, good good stuff as usual, guys. Um, I'll take us out of here with this last topic, man. So we all have kids that are in school or at least are about to start school. And I'm kind of going to do this one a little different because I don't I'm going to give my answer first. But I'm mostly asking this question because I'm genuinely seeking advice because it's been one of my fears for a long time since Jasmine has started school. What are you guys going to do if your child has a bully at school? Because my first thought is if somebody picks on Jasmine, you know, I'm going to try to be very diplomatic about it, go to the school, go through all the motions. But if nothing is done, I got a good mind to put hands on the parents. So since your, since your child don't want to leave my child alone, let me show you how. Let me let me show you what she's going through. That's probably not the best way to go. So, how would you guys? You know, you guys are more. Uh, I would say more reasoned than I am at times. So, you know, Rosie, if Ali or Sophie, Fergus, Sky has a bully at school that's like legitimately picking on them and making life miserable for them, have you guys thought about how you're going to handle that? I I have. But it's it's still hard. Um, I I I'll give you a perfect example. Haley called me, I think last year, and she was like, "Daddy, I need you to teach me how to fight." And I was like, "What?" Uh-huh. And she was like, "I think some girls want to try to jump over me, and I need you to teach me how to fight." Oh, um, yeah, like she oh. thought she was getting jumped, and so you know, I was like. Okay, well, first of all, I'm 400 miles away from you or whatever it is between Mobile and Birmingham. So ain't like I can really show you how to fight. Um, But on top of that, I was like, you need to take care of the situation. And and if it's, hey, you got to go to a teacher, go to the principal, whatever, you need to take care of that. But it, it had gotten to the point where she had basically been being bullied or, you know, this clique of girls was, and, and she has her own clique and her, her crew or whatever. And it was, it was coming to a head where they thought they were going to end up having a uh, fight. And it, I wanted to kind of do that same thing, Byron. I wanted to go and jump in and jump on the road and drive down a mobile and be like, Hey, let's do this thing. And, and, you know, Allison was definitely ready to do that. Right. So no. <laughs> trying, trying to keep Allison away was the hardest part, but it's, you I think you need to teach them how to handle the bullying, whether it's turning it around on the bully, reporting it to the teachers, everything like that, and and handling it smartly. You know, we talk about, 
you know, you hear all the time about white people call the police, white people call the police. That's the thing is we need to stop trying to take everything into our own hands and use the authorities <laughs> like they're supposed to be used. Uh, and so if it comes down to, like you said, I've gone to the school, we've had conversations, we've had the parent conferences, and it's still happening, then I'm just telling my kids to get ready. I'm not throwing hands. I want you to throw hands. And if you get suspended because you had to throw hands because somebody kept talking about you, then it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? We're going to go get ice cream on your suspension. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good with that. So if it's you defending yourself, I'm totally fine with you fighting. But I just don't, my, you know, oh, I bet you won't knock this off my shoulder, put the leaf on your shoulder, I bet you won't knock it off my shoulder type thing. Like, if they don't put their hands on you, if they're not if they're not threatening you to the point where you feel like they may hit you, then you need to learn how to do it or take it, uh, care of it in a different way. But I'm not, you don't have to knock the leaf off the shoulder. I'm not telling you, you got to wait. And I don't care if my kids are the first ones to throw the punch. If they feel threatened, they're going to stand their ground like, you know... We ain't gonna talk, say his name, but you know they're gonna stand their ground, and I, I don't care if they throw the first punch. Uh, truthfully, uh, so and we'll have a conversation on the back end if it was really warranted or not. But I'm gonna teach them to defend themselves, however that means. So it's long, long answer, but <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it too. Um, I'm glad you went first. It gave me time to think about it and how I wanted to, how I want to reply to it. So I think there's a couple of things you have to look at. Bullying has definitely increased and evolved since we were in high school. Mm-hmm. So are we talking about physical cyber bullying? I mean, it's a whole new ball game these days. I mean, so, you have to be aware of what's going on as a parent to protect your kids as much as possible. I think you definitely need to, I don't know, I mean, this is 2019. By the time my daughter's old enough, we're talking about cyberbullying or something like that. Trying to keep her off of social media or anything that exposes her to adult situations or situations that she might not be ready to mentally or emotionally handle is something that I have to take, you know, look at first of all. You know, if she is she 12 years old with a Facebook and Instagram account and everything any little girl says is going to hurt her feelings rather than being 15, 16, maybe a little more mature, maybe a little more self-confident. But I think it starts with building self-confidence. Like you have to build self-confidence. And uh, you guys are pretty arrogant, so I don't think your kids have any problems with that. Oh, wow. Us. <laughs> but I think that's part of it. Also, uh, I think training, proper training. Like I really want my kids to, and I need to start back, Training, you know, at one point I was doing Muay Thai and um, Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu, I'm sorry, yeah. (laughs) Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. And just seeing these little kids in there, you know, five, six, seven years old who are getting properly trained. And they're, they're, they're confident in themselves, their situations, being able to handle themselves. So that, hey, daddy, this girl's trying to jump me. You're not really too worried about it. You're aware of your situation, but you're like... I really hope that it doesn't come to this and I have to do something where I'm not worried about getting in trouble from fighting. I'm more worried about getting in trouble because I might hurt this, this child, you know, like having them prepared. And I think that's a certain level of confidence where somebody's walking around to my, I bet you won't do this. I bet you won't do that. And you're like, Lord, like girl, if you only knew that if 
I put my hands on you, I could really hurt you. Same thing with my son. You know, I want him to be completely trained. So I think that's one thing we have to do in this world is train your kids properly. It's a different world now. I mean, bullying is is crazy. And not just for bullying. I think it's just self-confidence and being active. And I think that's that's one of the benefits of it. And just knowing the school's policy, I'm I'm not above calling the counselor or the teacher or the principal, because if your kids are properly trained, you want to be able to say, I'm taking all the precautions because yeah. once I let once I let these kids go, I, probably gonna hurt them. I can't exactly. be responsible for the actions. On June 22nd, I called you. June 24th, we had a parent-teacher conference. On t- June 28th, we did this. July 15th, my daughter broke your daughter's arm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> but if it's but if it if you keep like I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and at a certain point, my child has had enough. Like you said, it doesn't even have to be that they feel threatened. They've had enough. Then I fully support them because I want them to feel comfortable coming to me and letting me know what's going on. Yeah. You know, it could be a spur of the moment thing, but I would feel way more comfortable knowing that, hey, my son and daughter came to me six weeks ago and we started addressing this and you haven't done anything. Now we now we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So, so I, yeah, I asked that, man, because my daughter and I know everybody thinks their kid is like sweet, but she really is like a very soft-spoken, quiet kid. And, I mean, she's the type that'll be watching a movie with me and whenever the villain does something bad, well, why did he do that? And I'd be wanting to say, because some mother-bleeping people are just mean. You know, like, <laughs> like she, she honestly doesn't un- understand the concept of people being mean for no reason, man. I, yeah. I, and I try to drill that home with her. So, like, the thought of somebody picking on somebody that's sweet, it, it enrages me. But um, uh, I like your answers. None of them involve putting hands on the parents. So I will uh, definitely remove that option. <laughs> but, um, you know, hopefully I never have to deal with it. But I know kids can be jerks. And as she gets older and closer to middle school and high school, it definitely could come up, man. So it's just always I like to pick other parents' brains so anybody that's listening, if if you've already dealt with that type of situation before, you know us, we love hearing from you. So please, you know, engage us on one of our social media platforms, man. But well, Byron, we'll awesome. revisit we'll revisit that question in a couple of years when Sky gets of age. Yeah. She's only four now, so it's easy to say how I think I would react. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, but speaking uh, of I I just want to say I didn't say I wouldn't put hands on the parents. If, <laughs> if, if that parent, you know, that parent meeting goes a little left, then yeah. it may get to that. But I'm not going in with that idea. So I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds like you might need to get back in some um, some of your classes, Razi. <laughs> but speaking of Jasmine, dog, how is she dealing with that little girl that you took pictures of the other day about talking about first day of school? Yeah, yeah, jerk. That was that was her. That 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 was not Jazzy. She, she has grown up, man. The Jazzy I know is about yeah, yeah, like a little something. Seven. Yeah, she's ten. Details. Turns eleven on Halloween. She's a Halloween baby, so yeah, I know that. So she'll be eight this year. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, 
Nobody wishes she was still a baby more than me. And she, and like she tells me, Daddy, I have to grow. I can't help it, but I'll still always be your baby. And that makes me feel good. But she still doesn't let me give her public affection in front of teenagers because teenagers are cool and public affection is not cool. So I cannot do my public affection in front of the cool kids. So that's where we're at right now. Just get ready. Just get ready for college. I, I'm in the same city with Haley and I can't go and visit her on campus. I'm literally seven blocks from her all day long and I can't go visit her on campus. So <laughs> I meet you all somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's how she, that's how she cut off. Three blocks from the dorms. Like you can't come to the dorm. <laughs> I'm giving gift cards. If you want, if you want my money, you're getting a gift card. You need to come see, come see me. I'm standing here on the, I'm on the quad. <laughs> with a shirt with your picture on it so 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 listen man as y'all can tell we always having fun with this um i can't say it enough i've said it like quite a few times now we are completely grateful for you guys listening and checking us out the feedback on like facebook and instagram has been great and we definitely appreciate it and uh, as we continue to ask please share the podcast on your page on social media you know, verbally tell coworkers, cousins, aunts, nieces. We good to listen to on a road trip, whatever, man. Just play cousins, everybody. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, help help spread the word. But we definitely appreciate you guys. Yeah, definitely. Three as usual, no sense. We really appreciate you. Just keep listening to us. Keep sharing. Throw out topics. I mean, yes, yes. Part of the highlight of my week is just to see what our our listeners are saying out there. Uh, I get excited every time I see a new post and the interactions with you guys. So we really appreciate it. Thank you for your support. A lot of feedback on that uh, black women. What was it? Black women uh, helping broken men. So, yeah. Don't worry, fellas. We got something for you guys coming. Exactly. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. But We're not going to always keep it that way. But um, once again, no, Riza, you had something you wanted to share, man. I don't want to leave without getting that tidbit of information. That's right. That's right. Byron, um, on the last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, paying for college and, and and not having so much debt. And I was talking about there's a lot of scholarships out there for folks. So there's this app that I actually found out about watching Shark Tank, of all things, uh, called Scully. And so there was a little kid wrote all the uh, algorithms to consolidate all the uh, available scholarships out there and it actually goes through you know asks you a bunch of questions about yourself and it matches scholarships that are out there to you that you actually qualify for so you know go out download scholarly uh and i think it's in the app store and uh look through there just fill out your profile and uh check out what's out there uh and, and start writing for those scholarships a lot of them open up around i think next month september october uh, time frame and, and some of them are due, you know, by March, April, so that for the following year. So you really got to think through a little early if you want to start start writing for these for the 2020 school year. Uh, you're, you got to start this early. Scholarly. So S C H O L I L Y. S C H O L L Y. Don't worry, Riza, can you do me a huge favor? When we drop this, can you put that link to the app on our page? Yep, I got you. Appreciate it. Well, once again, uh, I want to thank my co-host. One of my favorite times of the week is to sit down and talk to you guys and pick your brains. As usual, this is Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg, with my co-host, Byron Evans, a.k.a. Buff, Orazio Macarella, Orazio. You're listening to Three Brothers No Sense. 
Thank you for listening. Check you out next time. Peace. For the record, I'm not buff. Ha, 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 ha.